Welcome to Becoming Referrable, the podcast that shows you how to become the kind of advisor people can't stop talking about. I'm Steve Wershing, and I'm very excited about this episode. We have a guest I've been hoping to get on for a long time, David Meerman Scott, who left corporate communications 10 years ago to start pioneering in this new idea of social media, a way of circumventing all of the traditional gatekeepers and reaching out directly to your customers and clients. And so since starting that, he's become something of a guru and and is uh, a a world-acclaimed speaker and consultant and strategist in communications and social media. His first book, The New Rules of Marketing and PR, has now sold over 350,000 copies in 28 languages um, and since then has nine more books to his credit. In this episode, we're going to go through a lot of information very quickly about some fascinating concepts that can help you promote your business to clients, including things like newsjacking, how to hijack the headlines to get people looking at your business, how to create a worldwide rave for what you do, and we'll end with his new project called Sonic Branding, how to create a logo essentially in sound to become associated with your business. Um, I think you'll really enjoy the episode. I enjoy doing it a lot. There's a lot of information crammed into this little 30 minutes. And so let's get right to it. So without further ado, David Meerman Scott. So David, thank you so much for joining us here on Becoming Referrable. Oh, hey, it's my pleasure. It's always fun to speak with both of you. And, um, you know, I, I've been a big fan of yours for a long time and, and really enjoyed listening to you at uh, FPAB last, a year or two ago. And, I, you know, I, I think, um, you know, so much has changed in, in the marketing world that, and, and that directly affects how advisors can, can get to, um, to meet new people. One of the most interesting concepts um, of yours is the idea of newsjacking and, 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 um, and, and how advisors can sort of get noticed, you know, by, by leveraging uh, current events. Could you tell us a little bit about what newsjacking is and how advisors can leverage it? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and, and, and what's really changed in the world now is that buyers are in charge. And I think advisors know that. Um, you know, you, you, it, it, they can go to the search engines and search for um, something they're interested. They can ask their friends and colleagues on social networks. So the challenge is how can you be in front of them at the moment they're looking? And one of the great ways to do that is this concept I call newsjacking, which is when you look for what's going on in the news and then you put your take on that news into the marketplace by um, doing a video, by doing a blog post, by pushing something out on Twitter or LinkedIn, uh, you know, whatever social network you might be active in. And then especially for advisors who work in a certain geography, I, for example, I happen to live in Boston, and um, my financial advisor is here in the Boston area. Uh, if you happen to have a lot of your business come from a certain geography, then you can reach out to the media as well in your local area. So the way it works is that when a story breaks um, that's important to your business, uh, journalists are looking for somebody to quote in that story. Consumers are perhaps looking for a product or service related to what's going on in that story. Um, so, for example, if the U.S. government were to suddenly change um, some regula- a regulatory aspect um, covering, let's say, for um, uh, 401k plans or uh, SEP plans, 
uh, or IRA, uh, IRA plans, uh, that you could then um, immediately write a blog post or shoot a YouTube video. And I'm talking like right now. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, <laughs> right. and push that out like within moments after the, the regulatory change, advising people um, what that change means. Now, uh, that'll do a couple things. Number one, it'll show your existing clients that you're on the ball because you could email your take on that to them. Uh, but you can also then use that if you push it out through a social network of some kind, like um, like either your own your own blog or YouTube or, or LinkedIn or whatever. Then you have an opportunity to influence people who are like just learning the news and saying, oh, wow, what does that mean for me? Um, uh, same thing, what's going on right now as we're doing this recording is that interest rates have been creeping up. So what does that mean? Push your, your, your thoughts out into the world when the moment is right and then the media may want to quote you and you will get noticed. Um, but it's a technique that most people don't do and most advisors don't do because they're on a, a schedule that they plan out ahead of time. And so how, how do you work that into the schedule? So I, for example, I, if, I, if I hear you, if I understand you correctly, let's say that you wanted to do something about rising interest rates. You know, you wouldn't just... I mean, you could put an article up about changing interest rates, but if you wanted to jack the news, then you would wait for the Fed to, yes, to change wait its for the rate. Next yeah. Go ahead. Correct. You'd wait. You'd wait for the. You'd wait. You'd wait for the next um, Fed announcement where it was clear at you know at this moment, four o'clock on a, a Tuesday or whatever time they released the the the, the news. Uh, that's when you push it out. And that's when you say, okay, here's what's important. Here's why that's important. Um, and, and then I would share that. If you write it up as a blog post, I would share that with the reporters at your local newspaper. Now, here's, I'm going to give you an example of something I did a couple months ago. Well, it was, it was um, as we record this, it was about nine months ago. Um, when Donald Trump was elected president, it was, it was actually an incredibly big surprise because, as we know, um, uh, the polls all suggested that Hillary Clinton was going to win. The, um, uh, the TV pundits and other media uh, people were all saying that Hillary Clinton was going to win. I mean, the whole vibe felt like Hillary Clinton was going to win. And I'm not, it has nothing to do with the political aspect, but in my case, I analyze the marketing aspect of U.S. presidential elections. And I have done that since the 2004 election, a presidential election cycle. And so um, on my blog, I've been writing about it for that many um, that many years. So I've been writing a lot of stories about Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton from the marketing perspective. And for example, how Donald Trump use, uses Twitter was something I talked about early on. So when it was became clear that um, Trump was going to win, that was... Um, it was like one in the morning uh, on 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 election uh, evening. You know, it's it's it, it was like, oh my gosh, Trump's going to win! Wow, that's that's crazy. What's going on here? <laughs> so so what I personally did was I newsjacked that because I'm a marketing guy. I've been analyzing the marketing aspects of the election, and I wrote a blog post that that the title of the blog post was the best marketer was elected president. And I wrote that blog post from the time that they um, uh, that they called the election in favor of Donald Trump, and I pushed it out on my blog at 4:30 in the morning, 
uh, you know, immediately following election um, night so that it came out literally within a couple of hours of the election being called for Trump. Now, what did, that did a number of really cool things because I pushed that out on my blog. Um, blog blogs are indexed in real time by Google. And so um, because of that, anybody who is searching on a story about why did Trump win might see my blog post. Somebody who is searching on um, uh, Donald Trump marketing or something might see my blog post. And in fact, many reporters did. I ended up getting quoted in um, about a dozen different uh, media outlets um, uh, as a result of that story. Forbes magazine, for example, quoted me, and um, Marketing Magazine out of Australia quoted me, and a bunch of other um, publications quoted me. And then what happens is, is, is great because then it leads to new business. So I then got um, an email about two weeks after Election Day and it was from the Public Affairs Council in Washington, D.C. And the Public Affairs Council said, hey, David, we saw some of the stories that had been written uh, about you and how you talked about Donald Trump's marketing. We'd like you to come to our annual executive meeting um, with, a, with about 200 people and give a presentation on that. Now, I'm a professional speaker. I earn my living by doing, doing um, public events. And I charge um, $25,000 um, uh, for, for a, a presentation. So for me, that was one blog post that yielded $25,000 in business. But the reason I'm able, I was able to succeed with that, and the, the only way you can really pull this off is that you have to be quick. You have to push out content in the form of a blog or in the form of a YouTube video and form of a tweet, whatever it is, that gets that information into the market immediately. So, David, I'm interested as you as you talk about that. It sounds like the f being prepared for that moment is is so critical. So, if you if you think from an advisor's perspective, what are some of the things that they might want to have in place so that when they see those opportunities, they can really jump in and take advantage? Good, that's a great question. So, here's a few things that you need to be thinking about if this is something you'd like to do. The first one is that make sure you get clearance ahead of time from whatever compliance officers you need to speak with. And it all depends on, uh, you know, what kind of organization you work in. But um, this kind of thing is not a problem at all for financial advisors to do. I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not commenting on the actual ins and outs. But um, this kind of thing is something that typically can be done. But you want to make sure that you, you get that cleared ahead of time so that when the story does come up, that you're, you've, you've got pre-approval in a sense to push that out um, uh, if you're working within an, a larger organization. Uh, and then the second thing is just be aware that it can happen at any time. It can happen, in my case, at one in the morning. And that was when the story presented itself. And I had to work, spent two hours writing a blog post, um, and then I pushed it out at 4.30 in the morning. And so that was the time. So it might happen on a weekend. It might happen at, in the middle of the night. It might happen um, uh, when you can't run it by somebody else um, uh, because everyone's gone or on vacation or sleeping or something. And then um, it's important that you have a channel to publish that content on. I think a blog is the best channel, and the reason I think that is because a blog is your own real estate. In other words, you own your blog. It's not part of a social network where the social network would own the content. 
Um, and then if somebody finds your blog, they're finding you. They're not finding Facebook or LinkedIn. They're finding you. Uh, and uh, so I always recommend a blog. But that means that you have to have that blog up and running before the newsjacking opportunity pops up. So get that blog up and running. Um, write a few blog posts. And then be watching the news. What I do, I watch Google News on a regular basis, either on my computer or on my iPhone. And I check it out um, four or five times a day because I'm constantly looking to see if there's a story that I might be able to comment on. And then you just have to be quick. You have to write it out there and push it out there as fast as you can. And I guess that would, would include also if you're going to reach out to the media. I mean, sounds obvious enough as I say this, but just having that list of of local media or national if, if you're going that route that's and, exactly and having right. everything ready to go. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly right. And again, I think with media that it's a good idea to establish virtual relationships with them prior to when you have this opportunity. And, and one of the best ways to create a virtual relationship with a member of the media is to follow them on Twitter. And most reporters now are pretty active on Twitter as a general rule. So what that means is that, like, for example, I mentioned earlier, I live in Boston, and I follow most of the Boston reporters uh, for the Boston Globe, the local um, newspaper uh, here in, in, in my town, and I follow those reporters. Um, Scott Kirstner is one of them, for example. Follow him on Twitter. And then um, occasionally I'll, I'll, I'll send something to Scott or I'll retweet one of, I'll tweet one of his stories. Um, so Scott knows who I am. And a couple of times we've met at conferences and, oh, yeah, sure, David, I know who you are. You know, you, we follow each other on Twitter. And so you develop that relationship ahead of time with, for example, the financial reporters or the um, uh, business reporters or whatever reporter makes sense. Uh, in your local newspaper or television station so that they know you before that opportunity arises. So that you have that credibility. Correct. I, I, I think one, one of the themes that's sort of coming out of this conversation is that you need to be ready to react as events arise, but at the same time, you need to have things prepared and in place so that, you know, you, because you can't just create this stuff out of thin air. You know, you when when you posted the the post about Trump's winning. I mean, you already had several articles on your blog about it, and you'd, you'd had a blog that you'd maintained consistently for years. And so if, if, if an advisor wants to do this, just like you said a few minutes ago, you want to um, have that platform and be, and be, you know, putting content on it, and you want to, you know, you want, you want to remember that social media is social, and so you want to have relationships with those reporters and follow them and retweet them and comment on things that they've done periodically so that when the event arises and you post something, you know, you've got some credibility and you've got, you know, something to base it on. I think that's exactly right. I think that's exactly right. And, uh, and, and just by getting yourself up and going with this kind of social networking, um, you're, you're making yourself part of the community. You're making, you're creating this sort of information that people value so that when somebody does find your profile on a social network, especially if they're looking around to, to find an advisor to work with, they're going to say, wow, you know, this person's plugged in. They've, they, you know, they're active on Twitter. They've got a great blog that I can learn um, about, um, uh, you know, various issues in the financial markets. This is someone that I feel comfortable uh, working with. Um, a friend of mine does this. His name is Larry McGlynn. He's in the insurance business, um, which is kind of similar. 
and um, in a way. And Larry is constantly posting um, uh, co- uh, stories about um, the insurance business on his blog, but he's also doing some newsjacking. And so, for example, um, uh, when there was a really big storm coming through the Boston area, uh, Larry posted um, information about um, what you need to do to prepare for the storm from the perspective of insurance. And uh, and so that was valuable information that was being pushed out, and that's the sort of thing that the media are looking for to write about, you know, on the day before a big storm is going to hit. Sure. And, and, and you know, I, I think that's really important that, that it, you're not using it to promote, but you're but you are linking it to things that you do. I think, you know, to... To bring sort of another concept that you've worked with, uh, that you know, one of one of your other books is called Worldwide Rave, which I, I think is brilliant. And oh, thank you. To take to take an an off, you know, a, an example from outside of our industry, you talk about how a dentist got started in her practice, or got got it promoted by by linking um, dental health dental hygiene with sex appeal and so yeah. it's she wasn't just promoting the fact that that she was a good dentist but she linked it to something people wanted to hear about can you tell us a little bit about that example yeah sure so this the dentist um wrote an ebook called healthy mouth healthy sex <laughs> that's the title of the ebook <laughs> and uh, and basically what she was talking about is the the relationship between uh you know the health of your mouth and your sex life, <laughs> uh, and um, and and you know she's it was very funny, it was clever and interesting, but it's not it's very unexpected. It's not what you expect from a dentist. And then she pushed that out on her blog and a bunch of other places that people um, would link to it. You know, I talked about it. I wrote about it in my book, and um, and so it got quite a bit of notice. Um, but people were would pass it on one to another on social networks. Hey, check out what my my dentist is doing, and so that leads to referrals. That leads to people who um, uh, who will want to do business with her. She's the she's you know she's the sort of person I would like to be my dentist, and then people will come to her and bring their families. And then just to that last point, um, I mean, you've got some great shareable content, obviously, if some of these um, uh, strategies work. Do you recommend something as simple as an email out to all of your clients just to to alert them to the fact that perhaps you were featured in the news? Or is there a better way of doing that to make sure they do share it with friends and family? I think, yeah, I think it really depends on... um on, on how you're sharing content with your community to begin with, uh, and to do it in such a way, always do it in such a way that it's seen as, seen as valuable, yeah. and not so much as it's seen like you're trying to promote yourself and promote right. your work. So I have a rule I, I use called the sharing more than selling rule. And I actually have set up some percentages to think about with social networks. So I recommend that 85% of your time, 85%, you're sharing with people, you're engaging with people, you're part of the community. You know, you find an interesting story somewhere, you share it out. Um, you reply to someone and, and, and mention something that they did or they, or they wrote, whatever it might be. That's 85% of the time. So that might be, um, you know, commenting on a story that one of the reporters in your local newspaper wrote and commenting online about that story, things like that. Uh, 10% of the time uh, is you creating original content. So an original blog post, an original uh, YouTube video, whatever it might be. And 5% or less 
of your uh, engagement should be around something of a promotional nature. Uh, but if you do 95% sharing, engaging original content, you're seen as valuable to the community. You're part of a, you're part of a, an ecosystem, and people will respect that occasionally you want to promote the fact that, um, hey, you know, I'm giving a seminar um, at such and such a hotel on this date. Um, you know, please come, please bring your friends, uh, and and people will respect that um, because you've built up the trust with them with all the other information you've pushed out. Um, and same thing with a media story, like you just mentioned, Julie. So, you know, hey, there's a story out. I'm quoted in it. Um, love to have you take a look and feel free to pass on to your friends. Um, that's cool if you've already engaged with people and, and whatnot. Right. Right, right. And sorry, could I just get a, just a point of clarification? Because you mentioned, uh, Steve, uh, the worldwide rave. But just for everybody listening, can you describe exactly what that is? Yeah, so worldwide rave is my my kind of term for something which goes viral in the marketplace. Okay. It just explodes and becomes big. Uh, and by the way, world if you just Google Worldwide Rave, I have made my book called Worldwide Rave completely free on all of the electronic um, uh, uh, book services. So it's free on Kindle and Kobo and all of those. It's also free as a PDF download, completely free, no registration or anything required. So anybody wants to grab that book. Um, so it's the idea of how can you create something online that people are eager to share with their friends and colleagues and family members, that people are, uh, are, are find it to be so interesting either because it's valuable content or because it's funny or because it's just um, amazing that they're, that they want to share that content. And that's the, um, that's the idea of what worldwide rave is. Um, and, uh, and so I, pr I provide uh, a whole bunch of different ways that you can um, create content that is likely to become a worldwide rave. Great, thank you. And that's that's such a big challenge that advisors face. I hear that all the time from advisors. Well, two things. One, one is that um, you know that they they, they want to put stuff out there and they want to try to get their clients to share it. Well, I mean, this is that's what that talks about is is shareable content. That that you know, the reason that clients don't share a lot more of advisor content is that it's not that shareable. It's not exactly. that interesting. Yeah, exactly right. Um, that's exactly right. But, but uh, but the other the other part of it that you brought up before is you know the other question I get a lot is you know well when am I ever going to make time for all this stuff and and you you've pointed out that a lot of it is just sharing things that you find interesting is it only only ten percent like you were saying is original content the vast majority is interesting stuff that you find out there that you share because it would be of interest to your clients exactly that's exactly right. Right, so we're we're now recording a podcast. It's interesting stuff, and hey, you know, we, somebody will share this. I might share this, and and then uh, I'll share this with my network, and then uh, you know, you'll end up with with people listening to the podcast who had never heard of you before. Maybe they'll subscribe, and then just continuing that kind of. I mean, that's called social networking for a reason. Can, can, uh, creating that kind of network, um, the larger your network becomes, the more power you have and the more uh, and, and the, the easier it is to generate new business because you've got this powerful network around you. Now, you've, you've talked about, um, you know, sharing interesting information and um, you've talked in the past about uh, 
about communicating visually. Everybody who's listening to this needs to go read David's blog post called Who the Hell Are These People? And then go look at your own site because you've got all that visual gobbledygook on it. But now you're starting to work in a new area of... uh, of of um, sound branding, can you yeah. tell us a little bit about about the sonic branding idea? Yeah, of course. So I, I founded a company um, beginning of 2017 with a professional touring musician, a musician and composer named Juanito Pascal. And uh, what we do is we create sonic branding. And there's sonic branding is two components. One is what we call sonic logo, which is between four and approximately twelve notes. Um, that's a highly recognizable uh, uh, set of a set of notes. Like for example, the NBC chimes uh, is a sonic logo, or Intel Inside is a sonic logo, or the Skype ringtone is a sonic logo. Um, these are all examples of a very recognizable several different notes that that people can relate to a certain brand. The other thing we do is we create original music. Uh, so we create an original song that people use. So this is a really wide open area of branding, which um, is is used very, very little today. And that's surprising to me because uh, it's incredibly easy to do. It's cost effective. So what what my little company does is we have meetings with you to understand what your brand is, uh, what brand attributes uh, you have, um, what kind of uh, organization you are, and then we compose an original song and or a sonic logo. Now, some of the places that people use these um, sonic branding assets are, um, for example, we're recording a podcast. Maybe it's their podcast intro music. Um, maybe it's their YouTube background music. Maybe it's the music they play on hold when somebody is called into the office. Um, perhaps that music is used on the trade show booth when when people are visiting the trade show. Um, uh, if you're doing television advertising and radio advertising, music can be used there as well. Um, it can be used on websites in certain ways. Um, so there's lots of uses when you have a have custom music created and it does a great job to brand your organization because that music is created exa- exactly for you and then you own that so um uh, own it completely and own it outright so so that the only people who can use that music is you and it's a really incredible way to brand Wow, that's so it's so interesting. I mean, when you think of individual advisors and smaller businesses, of all those things that you mentioned, all of those opportunities, which do you think would be most pertinent for for this this industry and these advisors? Um, you mean from the sonic branding perspective? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think I think tying them all together with an original song is is really interesting, right? Because you know, music on the music on hold at, in most organizations is just some default music. It's like doesn't mean anything, um, or it's music that's stolen from uh, a, a famous recording artist, um, and, and neither of those are really good options. You know, some boring, stale Muzak kind of thing. Uh, or 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 music that you don't have proper license for. So in this case, it's a licensed especially for you. And then if people, um, if you have videos or podcasts or other 
um, things that you're doing in the social networking world, um, that same music that people would hear on hold if they called you is also what they hear when they, they log on to your, um, your content. Uh, and so these sorts of things are really interesting ways to tie together um, uh, an organization. And I know especially for um, listeners out there who are music fans, being able to work with a composer to create your own your own uh, song is really fun. We just got finished creating a song for a, a solar energy company, and um, the the founder of the uh, and the CEO of the company um, uh, is really into reggae music. So we ended up creating a reggae infused song that feels light and bright and airy because it's a solar energy company and uh, you know looking towards the future and the future is bright uh, with a with a reggae vibe so so that that's sort of the f- sort of fun to be able to create something like that that then that you have exclusive ownership over so I can finally have my own theme song. This you is, can. Uh, I mean, you, you, I think this is something I've been wanting my whole life. This is yeah, awesome. I think, I, think, I think you need to have one. I Absolutely. think you totally need to have one. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and, cool. and you, think, you think the amount of money that people spend on other forms of branding, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, people are spending a huge amount of money to get themselves noticed in various ways. Um, and this is just one that very few people understand yet. Yeah, that's fascinating. Now, you know, one of one of the things that that I hear a lot, I'm sure you've heard it too, um, when I go out and speak and talk about the ideas that I talk about is, well, how exactly do I do this? And then they go home and try to do it, and uh-huh. you know, it's it, they're a little they're a little you know disconnected from the material at that point. But but you now have a, a way for people to uh, to get some uh, some coaching or some some instruction on how to do this. That would be available to them, and can you tell us a little bit about that? I abs- yeah, absolutely. I'd be happy to. So, um, I um, I speak at a lot of events. I mentioned that earlier, and one of the events that I've spoken at now um, uh, about four or five times a year for I think I'm on my fourth year now is I speak at all of Tony Robbins Business Mastery events. So, if anyone is a fan of Tony Robbins, you know what I'm talking about. Or if you're not, um, you may have heard of Tony Robbins. He's a very um, uh, he's a, a great um, sort of coach, mentor um, to a lot of people. So I speak at Tony Robbins Business Mastery Events. There's about 1,500 people in the room, and I have a two-hour time slot where I talk about things like newsjacking and things like content creation and social networking and how do you create a Twitter profile and all these sorts of things um, and all these um, interesting people in the room. And then for the first three years that I did that, um, I just left people on their own and say, well, thank you very much. Now it's up to you to, <laughs> to go out, <laughs> right, to go exactly. out and execute and all these ideas I shared. And Tony Robbins himself and members of his team said to me, David, we've got to create a way to make it easy for people to implement. So Tony and I worked together on creating what's called New Marketing Mastery. And um, New Marketing Mastery is an, an online program, uh, adult education, a self-learning program that includes um, a comprehensive workbook of 50 pages. It includes 65 videos where I explain each of the concepts um, that are part of the lessons. There's five lessons. One of the lessons, by the way, is newsjacking. So one of the five lessons is what we spoke about earlier in the call. And uh, and then there's also 25 infographics, which um, go into detail on each of the areas. Um, and that's called New Marketing Mastery. And you can either get there through my site, davidmearmanscott.com, and there's a courses tab, or you can go to newmarketingmastery.com to find that. 
Um, but people really like the idea that they can learn these concepts um, using a, a method that's easy to learn uh, uh, using this program. So we we will link to all these in the in the show notes. But oh, just for you. people who are who are listening to this as they're driving around and whatnot, if you want to find more about, about David, you can find it at, at davidmeermanscott.com, and that's M E E R M A N in the middle there. And um, you know, David, I could spend all 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 day talking with you about these because there's so many great ideas. But I know that we're up up against our time. Is before we sign off, is there anything else that you'd like to encourage our audience to do that to help them get better noticed? Yeah, one more thing. Um, uh, th and thank you. This is always fun. Um, really appreciate speaking with both of you. So the, the the final thing I'd like to leave leave you with is that marketing is fun. Marketing is exciting. Marketing can be a really um, great part of your day of your work week. Um, so many people um, dread the idea of marketing. I know that's especially true of advisors because um, most of uh, most advisors think when they think of marketing think of dreadful things like you know creating brochures or making email marketing campaigns and things that don't really sound like fun but um, creating content on the web that people will find and people will share is really cool and, and networking with real live humans out there using social networks like Twitter or LinkedIn is is a great way to build business and newsjacking um, when you create some content around the news is a really fun way to push your stuff out there. So I would encourage people to to change their idea about marketing as not being sort of a dreadful thing that you have to do, but rather something that you can do that's fun, especially if you're ending up uh, doing it in ways that we've been talking about over the last half hour. I, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, it's these days, you know, it's marketing – being that it's more social and more interactive and you're generating content for people and, you know, it's an opportunity to really evangelize what you do. It's, it doesn't have to be, you know, this stale kind of description of features and benefits, but you actually get to give people examples to how to apply these ideas, how, how they can make themselves better off. And, and I, I think once advisors sort of get into that idea, it, 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 marketing does become a lot more fun. Exactly. That's exactly right. Well, David, thank you so much for joining us. And, um, We'd we we love having you on and 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 hope to get more of your ideas out there and uh, we appreciate your visiting with us. Well, thanks very much. I appreciate it. and good luck to everybody listening. And um, I, I I wish you all the best success. Thanks so much. Hi, it's Julie again. It was great to have you with us on Becoming Referrable. If you like what you've been hearing, please do us a favor and rate us on iTunes. It really does help. You can get all the links, show notes, and other tidbits from these episodes at becomingreferrable.com. You can also get our free report, Three Referral Myths That Limit Your Growth, and connect with our blogs and other resources. Thanks so much for joining us.